Hello and welcome to the Double Featured Podcast. This is our first episode. My name is Joey Bean Khan. I'm here with my co-host in sunny LA, Mr. Davey Rubin. How are you, Dave? Just, just wonderful. How are you, Joe? Good. Uh, so before we get started, let me give a little rundown of what we're doing here. Uh, the idea of double feature is that every movie is best with a perfect pairing. Uh, so we're going to take on a new movie that's in the theater and kind of as cinema sommeliers, we're going to give you mm. the perfect movie to go with it. This week we thought, if you're going to start, why not start with Star Wars, right? So Davey, I know you have a pairing that you've picked for this week. Yeah, it's uh, one of the classic sci-fi films of our generation, Chronicles of Riddick, starring mm. Vin Diesel. <laughs> this is your one chance. Take the Lord Marshal's offer and bow. I bow to no man. Probably about three weeks ago, I was up late, really stoned. And just needed a movie to watch. Yeah. And as you might expect, Chronicles of Riddick was <laughs> on my local cable network. That's not one you pass up either. Yeah. <laughs> and you like it with lots of commercials. It makes it a good three, three and a half hour experience all the way through. Um, and so I watched it all the way through and, and I loved it. But I didn't really give it a second thought because, you know, I've seen it seven, eight times probably <laughs> until I was watching Star Wars about a week ago and it really dawned on me how much they were alike and so it was actually perfect you reached out to me and asked me to come up with a pairing had one ready to go i have to say i was surprised by the uh text i got which was don't even waste your time with rise of skywalker chronicles of riddick is the exact same movie (laughs) (laughs) which i I wish i'd take your advice uh Star Wars kind of sucked, but... <laughs> and not only did you not even take your time with Star Wars, but you just skipped right over the first movie in the Chronicles of Riddick series, which is Pitch Black. Yeah, I at first texted you when I was watching Chronicles of Riddick and said, I think I have sci-fi blindness because I do not know what's going on. And little did I know, it's because I was in the Pitch Black about the plot. So why don't you lay out a little bit of what we're doing with Chronicles? Yeah, uh... Well, there's good news, which is that you really don't need to see any of them to understand what's going on because they don't make that much sense. (laughs) Three movies in the series, uh, Chronicles of Riddick, most well-acclaimed of the films. I think Pitch Black. Was it? I think Pitch Black is thought of as like a legit great movie. (laughs) Well, it has to be... uh, It has to be lower budget, for Uh, sure, because, I mean, it was like the first movie that Vin Diesel was ever in, and it was in black and white. And let me tell you, the Dame Judi Dench probably wasn't in there. (laughs) No, Judi Dench didn't make an appearance. They had to go to get real star power. Nothing screams sci-fi, like getting Judi Dench in there as a teleporting ghost. Yeah. With some conflicting uh, points of view. I don't really know what Judi was up to, but... (laughs) She was a very unnecessary character throughout this film but your basic plot is you have um you have riddick who is vin diesel who is i think probably the best actor between these two films oh yeah (laughs) and he is like this guy creature from a planet that's kind of you know we find out as we go through that the furions are a mostly lost race Mm. and vin diesel is one of the last and he is basically has superpowers. He can jump really far, apparently. Um, he can handle heat better than most. 
incredibly but, well. Just all he has to do is pour a bottle of water on him, and he could get through what seemed like a nuclear attack. Yeah, but most importantly, <laughs> he can see in the dark, and that's why he has to wear his cool goggles ah, throughout. Okay. Uh, so you have him, and he kind of comes into play once we learn a little bit more about our bad guys. And our bad guys is like this planet of people who, I guess, are like, they want to kill you so they can convert you into basically zombies who work for you. But they're like this hidden army and they're trying to take over the universe and planet after planet is being murdered and turned into a dark army that is going to be used to take over more planets. Yeah. And if this is ringing a bell. It's <laughs> yeah, like, spoiler alert. That's <laughs> literally the second half of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And so um, Vin Diesel gets paired up with a team of people, you know, a mix of outlaws and a couple attractive women. <laughs> and they have to take down this evil empire. Uh, and as they say, sometimes you don't need good to beat evil. Sometimes you need evil to beat evil i know something that struck me was uh this is maybe a tangent but i don't know if you remember the movie mafia mm-hmm. it was uh kind of during the scary movie craze when uh, everyone was doing their spoof movies and there's a scene in mafia where the the don has the orange in his mouth and the little kid like kills him and kind of ignores him as he dies and i was like what a weird little bit that they're doing and then Next, the next year, I watched Godfather and let out an audible laugh when Vito died. And it was so incorrect and it felt wrong, but I was like, oh, I finally get the mafia scene. And I feel like, uh, you know, there's the value of the double feature you gave us is that I think a lot of things about Star Wars that I kind of just take for granted is, all right, Star Wars is fun, it's entertaining. I started to question more because of Riddick because you start to see oh I just have turned my bullshit meter way down because I'm watching this big budget movie with lovable characters and once you start to watch Riddick first and then this you start to see the humor in Vito dying with the orange in his mouth you know (laughs) it's funny that you compare Mafia (laughs) to Chronicles of Riddick one being a spoof movie and one just being a movie it's a classic (laughs) but I think that and the thing about Chronicles of Riddick which was like aside from the plot which was very hard to follow for me was uh there was no rules. Like, I couldn't tell what Vin could do and what he couldn't do. And obviously, Vin Diesel, that's kind of his entire calling card. Like, mm-hmm. in the Fast and the Furious movies, maybe he has superpowers as well. Pretty unclear. He's just, like, the kind of guy you believe is strong enough, kind of like The Rock. And uh, in Chronicles of Riddick, you're seeing him do these insane things. And then I watched Star Wars, like, soon after. And it's this thing where it's like, you need rules in the force. I don't care if you're in a sci-fi movie. Like there has to be specific rules of how these powers work. Nope. <laughs> Nothing. No, there's not. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what made me think about it a little bit is, um, first of all, it sounds like, and I can't tell if I'm reading the room right or not, that you didn't think Chronicles of Riddick was a classic. <laughs> and that's okay. But it is a good example of a time where you have one movie that has all this lore, Star Wars. People just love seeing new creatures. 
They love seeing new characters and nobody's really thinking like that doesn't make sense. Since when could you heal deathly wounds with the force? Yeah. It turns out you can and nobody knew until really this movie. Um, but it's chron- weird that you would go eight movies where clearly that skill set would come into handy. Sort of eight <laughs> movies. More like ten movies. <laughs> That's true. And yeah, it's all of a sudden it can heal wounds. I mean, Chronicles of Riddick, we, there are no rules, but the whole time you're wondering, why are there no fucking rules in this movie? And it's because you're not thinking, oh, was Luke able to do that? Is this a dark side thing that she's utilizing? Like, you, you don't really have to think about that. Mm-hmm. You're just going, Since why can Vin Diesel tame alien monster dogs who then he leaves in cages <laughs> to burn alive? You, you do wonder that. Or how did he pull off the sticking his coffee cup into someone's chest and twisting it, very similar to the Dumb and Dumber scene when he pulls his heart out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and then he picks up a, <laughs> a hairpin. <laughs> and threatens them with that and the whole room runs away. So we don't have to get too granular on a scene-by-scene scene of either of these movies, but uh, there are a couple sort of running themes. One is you have this dark army who's trying to take over the universe, uh, and in both you have that. And then uh, the next thing is you have this sort of theme of evil versus evil. Mm. And if you remember Star Wars, which I'm sure you do because you've probably seen it multiple times at this point, we really can't take down the Sith Lord without the main bad guy of the series, Kylo Ren. True. And so once again, you need evil to defeat evil. And on top of that, the last scene of both of these films is identical. Yeah, you're walking into the the Coliseum. Walk into a Coliseum, (laughs) time to fight, bad guy almost dies, then retaliates, good good guy almost dies, then comes back, and then at the end, good guy's about to die, gets rescued by bad guy turned good guy, then bad guy turned good guy (laughs) dies, and then movie ends and good guy's alive and sad. True. Nothing will stand in our way. Finish what you started. Both of these movies, that's the exact formula at the end, except we don't give a shit about any of the people in Chronicles of Riddick <laughs> because there's nothing built behind them. No. But I wonder, like, is it is there enough built behind Star Wars? Or is watching that movie and Chronicles of Riddick in back-to-back, like, tandem, you start to wonder, like, do I care about these characters? Some of, like, Oscar Isaac's character, I couldn't tell you a thing about. Mm-hmm. I kind of care about him because it's just got, like, he's wearing the suit that I know. He's from, the only cool guy. Yeah, he's the cool guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when Luke was flying in that suit. Like, I have this, like, built-up thing, but... I don't know that the movie has earned any of these relationships that much more than, than Riddick. Well, they're certainly not like respectful towards them because <laughs> despite having way more special effects and bigger named actors, this Star Wars movie was pretty bad. Yeah. And it's the last of the series. And to make such a garbage movie, it's, it's almost like they gave up on this one because they figured people just want to see more Kylo Ren. They want to see a makeout scene with our two main mm-hmm. characters. And they just kind of don't give a shit. Whereas I know the Chronicles of Riddick might not have been 
the best movie, Joey. <laughs> but you can tell that they're putting an effort to this movie. All I the know. Way I know that the Chronicles of Riddick writer has really thought about this world. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he has thought about this world for so long. But he has so ideas. much detail in this world. <laughs> but you don't. The whole time you go, oh, so now we're on a planet where the sun rises and burns everything once it touches it. Sure. And you're frustrated. You don't get why this is happening. There is someone out there who understands why it's happening, <laughs> and they have a better understanding of how things work than the people who are writing these Star Wars yeah. movies. So I know uh, Rise of Skywalker has been going through a lot of controversy. Obviously, it's not very loved by the critics. Uh, the most recent news story I saw is that the screenwriter and J.J. Abram are getting in trouble because they just completely cut out the Rose character and mm. they were getting backlash and they said, oh, we wrote her scenes with Leia and then Carrie Fisher died, so it's a shame. And everyone's like, you got this movie a year after Carrie Fisher was dead. That's a crazy you know, lie to make up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how this podcast is going to lead to the next backlash, I would imagine, you know, this episode. <laughs> But do you think that J.J. Abrams and the screenwriter have seen Chronicles of Riddick? Feels like a sci- they're both sci-fi guys. Seems unlikely that it was an accidental thing. So it's either plagiary or an homage to that final scene, you know? It has to be one of the two. It has to be two. <laughs> the question is, why didn't they reach out to Judy Dench to replace Carrie Fisher Ooh, in these films? That's a great point. I mean, she was in the James Bond series. <laughs> Fans like Judy Dench. <laughs> Everybody knows that. So something I was thinking about with that, obviously... With Judy Dench? With Ju- I was thinking about with star power in these movies, and uh, there was a part of me that was like, Star Wars couldn't take in Vin Diesel. You know, he's a true movie star. We always see Vin. We don't always see the character because of that. But then you remember Harrison Ford is what made those early Star Wars, you know? Mm-hmm. One of our great... American movie stars was absolutely able to be himself and be in Behan, take that movie to another level. Do you think if we switch Vin and Adam Driver, <laughs> could Adam Driver make Chronicles of Riddick work and could Vin Diesel make Rise of Skywalker work? It's an interesting question. Uh, I think that Adam Driver is a great actor in many films. He is terrible, I think. Personally, I think, in the Star Wars movies, I hate watching him. Yeah. He just plays, like, the worst villain sort emo. of sissy. Emo. Yeah, he never takes a stand anywhere, and I don't feel like there's any real character development with him. He's just always sad. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel would have been better for this character. <laughs> he would have half as many lines, and we'd see a lot more muscle. Sure. He, it'd kind of be like a Bane meets... Kylo Ren type of situation, which would be so fucking tight. <laughs> and he'd wear the same mask as Bane and everything. Adam Driver, though, I don't <laughs> I don't know what he'd do with Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> I think it might actually be better if it got a little moodier, you know? Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. You felt like there was it wasn't deep enough. I thought he, I thought just that they really let some it kind of have Riddick kind of brood a little bit more because he's has two separate women who are either love interests or like nieces. It's hard to tell mm-hmm. that he's saving throughout the movie and uh, old friends. I know you haven't seen Pitch Dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, old friends. Which speaking of which, we'll get to Carrie Russell being the exact same character the in the Mandalorian mask, you know, as oh, one yeah. of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they 
you know, he if you have a brooding Adam Driver playing Riddick, I think it really sells, except it would get very problematic at the beginning with the dreads, the blonde dreads, which already were a little questionable for me, that Riddick starts with. If you have Adam Driver in dreads, that might just kind of cut the knees out of the movie at the beginning. I'll tell you one thing at that beginning of Chronicles Riddick. Joey's referencing the beginning, the first scene. You see Vin Diesel. I think maybe the only time you'll ever see Vin Diesel with a full beard and long dreads is at the start of Chronicles of Riddick. And it made me realize he looks good with hair. <laughs> he does. He really does. You think it's like such a distinctive look. They're like, oh, of course he's thought this through. But I don't know. Maybe he should have dreads. Maybe he should have a late life dread period. I don't know if he can grow hair. <laughs> his look seems like a guy who decided early on hair wasn't going to be a part of his star power. Um, I guess the last bit we should touch on is just like, this is the end of something with Star Wars. I don't know exactly where we go from it. And it unfortunately feels like we're getting near the end of something with Vin Diesel as well. And I think... Like, what do you view as Vin's next step? Because obviously mm. you could only be the jacked enforcer for so long. You're going to have some years off before you could be in an Expendables movie. And even that is, that's not a sustainable action life. Mm-mm. What do you see as Vin's pivot to continue going? Well, it's a great question. Um, he has been cast as the character Bloodshot in an up-and-coming comic movie based on some of the best comics ever written. And it's kind of perfect. It's like a bald, half-human, half-robot superhero um, who's way bigger and stronger than Vin Diesel. (laughs) But, hey, Vin Diesel got the part. Vin Diesel could play big and strong. Until we saw him next to The Rock, we all thought he was the strongest man in the world. So He doesn't... I don't think he wears a tank top a single time in the Bloodshot trailer, though, which wow. is hard because he's a tank top guy. <laughs> sure. Um, outside of that, though, you know, what does he do when he's not a strong man anymore? He showed in Chronicles of Riddick his ability to deliver good lines <laughs> he's he's a one-line guy he always has been and it's unbelievable he must say 40 words in the whole movie and it seems like he's constantly saying one-liners yeah in a way it's like he because the rest of the movie is so bad shit he's kind of an anchor for the movie and it's amazing to be the central character protagonist and anchor that like makes the audience feel like all right we're going a little weird, but, like, we're back and not even say anything. It's just that face, you know, those glasses. <laughs> you know you're in steady hands. Goggles, glasses. <laughs> it's like he's so unfazed the whole movie. He never seems nervous or scared. And so as an audience member, you feel comforted. Mm-hmm. That's not what Star Wars does for you. I feel uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> Personally. Yeah. There's, like, this alternate path for a lot of action stars is to play like dads you know he's already he did the pacifier he's had a little bit of that but play like that kind of character hulk hogan did it you know the rock has obviously done it is there like a path i know vin diesel posts some great youtube clips we'll put one in of him singing and he is a truly weird singer Mm. and i think there might be a fun musical in his future? It's 
not just something you take, it's given. type pivot later in life, something like that. Congratulations to Mariah Carey for <laughs> her 25th year as the top-selling Christmas album. 25 years straight, God. Mariah Carey's album has been the top-selling Christmas album. She's such a hero. Which is incredible. But if there's anyone who's going to dethrone <laughs> her, I could see a Vin Diesel Christmas Ooh. album coming out. Uh, a very Vinny Christmas. Uh, Christmas uh, Diesel comes out. <laughs> Diesel comes out. Uh, yeah, we'll workshop this. This is, this is big. This we'll, is really big. Hopefully we'll get him on the next episode. <laughs> uh, please tweet your ideas for Vin Diesel's Christmas album to our Twitter at Dub Feature. Uh, before we leave, you know, a lot of people thought it was a genius pairing when we told them about it. But one person disagreed, and that's our third co-host, Rod Bastanmere, who's going to give an alternative pairing. So the film that I've chosen to pair with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is a bit unorthodox because it came out pretty recently, and that film is Bombshell, directed by Jay Roach, which tells the story of Fox News, Roger Ailes, and the women who came forward and helped bring him down and I was thinking about this movie and it reminded me of this Fran Lebowitz quote where she's talking about the Disneyfication of New York and Times Square and the city's over-reliance on tourism and she's talking about tourists and she says all tourists are looking for something familiar they've never seen before and I think the same is true for Hollywood and in the last few years we've seen the internet sort of eradicate the monoculture, right? There's no longer a center because so many different audiences have been created out of all the different types of content made for them. And so there is no center that binds everyone except for politics, which I think is sort of the contemporary version of monoculture. And in that context where monoculture exists in politics more so than art, I think that a movie like Bombshell functions for Hollywood as a type of IP, as a type of intellectual property, right? It's familiar, it has characters that people recognize, and even if people don't know the full story, they're familiar enough for a studio to quote-unquote risk making the movie. And something about that really felt relevant when thinking about Star Wars, this sort of quintessential bit of American intellectual property, right? There is sort of no modern Hollywood blockbuster system without Star Wars. And the way that Bombshell, which to me as a film just doesn't work, it doesn't have 
anything to say, it doesn't have anything on its mind, its characters are completely undeveloped, the ideas at the center are nearly non-existent, and it doesn't even bother grappling really with what the sort of most interesting element of the story is, which is the sort of intellectual distance you have to create if you're a specific type of viewer in how you understand this story to feel universal within the context of Fox News. And when you think about the film, and I walked out of it, and I thought to myself, why did they make something so vapid? Why did they make something that just feels like it has really nothing on its mind? And it's because somebody was going to make it. A studio somewhere was going to make it, and it was about being the first to make it, which is historically exactly how intellectual property kind of functions. And thinking about this new Star Wars film and the way that it is so obsessed with its own history, echoing the past, even though it claims to be a film that is all about erasing the past and forging something new, it is a film that is so drenched and held captive by its own canon, by its own identity as intellectual property. And walking out of it, you know, walking out of allegedly the last film of the Skywalker saga, um, it did feel like a really interesting sort of moment of revelation about kind of where IP has brought us. And with politics sort of entering film and media and culture in this completely different way, where every story is sensationalized and retold and recast and sort of treated almost as a reboot of a real-life event. I think Bombshell is a really interesting example of not just sort of the cynicism and failure of that kind of project that I believe will prove to be kind of how Hollywood moves forward in thinking about original stories, but I think it's really interesting in sort of where it stands as an inflection point with Hollywood's idea of what IP is. I think the Trump era is going to produce a lot of stories, a lot of characters, um, and a lot of narratives that sort of people are familiar with and will be more and more drawn to see caricatured by actors that are familiar. I walked out of Rise of Skywalker completely unmoved, sort of devastated by how trapped that film was by the expectations and the things it couldn't do, so many risks it couldn't take, and that is sort of a surrender that a moviegoer has made forever when it comes to IP. And Bombshell feels like a film that's shackled by that too. It gestures towards ideas that it's not interested in, it takes no risks, and I do think that in a way these two films paired together this last iteration of an iconic bit of IP and a film that I think for me represents this new era of IP I think is very instructive. Take my ass back to Arkansas.